And now, around the world and around the corner, it's the David Bowers Awards, bringing the best in indie music to millions of listeners worldwide with your host, the David Bowers. We've got a fantastic lineup of guests, as well as our engineer extraordinaire, Nick the Geek, our entire crew here at the Asylum, and me, I'm John Bon Jovial. And now, here's the voice of indie music, the David Bowers. Indeed, you are the indubitable and legendary John Bon Jovial. Thank you so much, John. And uh, just You're welcome. so great, so great to be back here and, uh, you know, just having this inanimate object stuck in my face that I talk into and all those people out there hear me. And it's, it's, it's just great to be back folks. Thank you so much for being here. And, uh, I, I, I just can't, can't express my joy. I mean, yeah, we've had another go around as most of you know, with the, uh, after effects of that insidious COVID virus. And, uh, believe me, uh, to those of you who scoff, at it or think that it's a joke or a political ploy or whatever, all I can say to you is you haven't had it. And the worst part is how it comes back and bites you in the butt months later. Cause I had it the end of July, first part of August, as most of you know, and uh, the end of October, right at Halloween, I wound up back in the hospital again. And then here uh, last week, which would have been the uh, what, first week of December, uh, I'm back in there again. And, uh, let me tell you, it's no fun. I've learned, uh, I've learned that not only is the virus no fun, but breathing is beautiful and, uh, without belaboring the point and, uh, you know, becoming too emotional about the whole thing. I do want to thank, of course, my family and all my supporters first. I love them all. And, uh, Thank them for standing by me throughout this whole thing. And sorry for the uh, <laughs> worries I put them through. But uh, also, I want to thank you, the listeners, my followers and supporters on social media and online. Uh, I love you all. And the notes and messages and emails and posts and everything I have tried to re at least read and acknowledge every single one. I couldn't possibly answer them all. And I hope you will forgive me for that because I, I really, there were just too many, but I did honestly, if there's a check Mark that says that I put a like on that, you know, I saw it and I thank you all so very much. And I want to put out a special thank you to a couple of groups locally, local paramedics and Tempe paramedics, who uh, sadly have gotten, <laughs> they've been here often enough now that they know my name when they come to the door and say, hi, Dave, sit down. You know, you're, uh, <laughs> you know, you're too well known, but uh, they did a fantastic job. Uh, well, just calming me down and getting me breathing was, uh, was a job in itself. And also I want to thank a fantastic uh, crew, support staff, doctors and nurses, at Banner Desert Hospital in Mesa, who uh, who got me through it, and wonderfully, thankfully, have me feeling better now than I felt uh, way back before I got the virus originally back at the end of July. Uh, a wonderful job, regardless of what happens from here on out. Uh, you gave me a new lease on life, and uh, I plan on 
taking advantage of it and running with the ball until I can't run no more. So thank you all so very much. I love you, each and every one of you. And that goes to my Levin family, John and his family for uh, all their support, because as far as I'm concerned, John's uh, John's more than a co-host and uh, an old friend, John's family too. How goes by you, John Levin? Well, not too bad. I, you know, I, I, I got to tell you, and I, not to, you know, belabor the point, but, you know, thank God you're okay. We have been so yep. worried. I was sick with worry over you. Uh, for those of you that, that do not know, uh, David and I came up in uh, the Tampa radio market together. Uh, matter of fact, uh, I met David when I got uh, one of my first commercial gigs at uh, WQYK, uh, Tampa, St. Petersburg. And uh, he was, uh, yeah, you were doing, as I recall, you were doing evenings, and I got hired as a part-time announcer on the weekends. And a matter of fact, you turned me on to Waylon Jennings. I'd never heard of him before. (laughs) And the very first song of uh, his that you played for me was a song called This Time. Yeah, and to this day, it is still my favorite Waylon Jennings tune. But I digress. Um, I'm, I'm glad so I turned you on to the paramedics. For the, yeah, I, I I am so grateful to the Tempe paramedics. I am grateful to the uh, hospital staff, and of course uh, Sandy, who has had to endure all of this with her uh, her emotions through all of this, knowing that you know is my husband coming home. And thank goodness you did. So, uh, ladies and gentlemen, you're not going to kill us off this quickly. You're going to have to contend <laughs> with the David Bowers Awards for one long damn time. That's all I can tell you. Well, I'm, I'm sure not ready to give it up yet. And uh, being here today is proof of that. We, uh, Like I said, thank you all so very much. It's, uh, it's a blessing. I love what I do. I love the people that we work with. And... Uh, it's it's a blessing, it's a gift to be able to continue doing it, and I will continue as long as the good Lord lets me. So enough said go. there. We've got a uh, fun show today, which was uh, kind of a patchwork. We managed to pull together from uh, a show that we didn't do last week for obvious reasons, and a uh, sort of a regularly scheduled guest that was supposed to be with us this week, and we found out at the last minute that... Uh, we would be able to do this. As a matter of fact, I think I started as soon as I got out of the hospital Friday, I started trying to, uh, you know, tie up loose ends and see if maybe we could make this happen. And here it is. We are here. We are happy. We are getting ready for the holidays. Of course, our annual two week hiatus will be coming up. We always take a couple of weeks and give you guys a break because well, everybody's playing Christmas music. I'm not going to be a Scrooge and not play Christmas music, but by the same token, you guys have got holidays, you've got families, which are far more important than sitting listening to us talk music. And uh, we have got, I will tell you this much, we have got a dynamite show lined up to start the new year. We got something old, something new. We got a legendary rock star from the 50s and 60s. And we've got a heck of a guitarist from the... uh, from the 2000s, and uh, they're going to be on on the uh, first show of the new year, which will be January 3rd, 
So you can watch for that Sunday, January 3rd, January 2nd on WROC uh, Rochester Free Radio. So watch for that. It's going to be a dynamite show. And I can tell you that uh, both guests I know from varying degrees. The guitarist guest is one that's been on the show before. He's a heck of a guy. He's got some new music coming out that is dynamite. And the star from the 50s and 60s is a gentleman that I met back at a show in upstate New York when I was in high school. And I have been trying for several years to get him to come on the show. We were finally able to make the connection, make it happen. And uh, good Lord willing, we're going to have one heck of a show January 3rd. Don't miss it. You'll, you'll love it. Today, we've got a, uh, we've got a great group of Americana musicians coming in. They have a new album out, which we will be talking about and playing a couple of tracks from. And first, we have our recurring episode of Rockstar 101, which is our recurring feature where we get people from the music business or related businesses that work with musicians, indie musicians, emerging artists, up-and-coming artists, and talk about what it takes to be a success in today's music market. And anybody with half a brain knows that's changed a lot in the last year. It's not only only hard, it's become harder. There are new challenges. There are new things being done. There are new developments being explored and new ways to present music and the artists because you can't go out and do all the live shows and the live shows are the meat and potatoes. They're the payroll for these artists. And when you can't do that, you can't get a paycheck, and that's not a good thing. So we're going to be talking to him first. His name is Mr. Durrell Part, and he is standing by. Uh, let's see if we can get Durrell in here right now. Uh, we introduce him, learn a little bit about him, and we'll talk about what it takes to be a star in music today on Rockstar 101. Durrell, are you there? Hey, I'm here. How are you guys doing today? Hey, we are doing just fine and dandy. So glad to have you here with us today. Awesome. I'm thankful. Anytime I get a chance to talk about my passion, which is helping the, helping independent artists, you know, it, it doesn't take much. I'm there. <laughs> well, fantastic. I ran across you online, which I know is a right. good thing. We all hope to be discovered. Right. And I, right. I started reading some of your articles, some of your uh, – well, you're – I hesitated saying motivational because you're not a motivational speaker that just gives up there and gives speeches. You've got a message which you you can impart, and I, I get a serious feeling that a lot of it is from your personal experience, and you actually can help people to put their careers together. Tell us a little bit about Durrell Pert and where you're from. Wonderful, guys. Well, so again, my name Thank you guys for having me once again. Uh, my name is Darrell Peart. I am originally from Brooklyn, New York, but I've had been raised in Orlando, Florida. So I heard you guys talking about the Tampa St. Pete, which is about an hour and 50 minutes from me, give or take a little bit. Right. Um, so I run a company called Double End Management and Marketing Group. Uh, the Double End stands for Encourage and Inspire because I love to encourage and inspire people. I was born with a disability called cerebral palsy. Um, I'm 35 years old, so it's all I really know. And for me, I always tell people, the music industry found me. I didn't find it. 
Um, and I just figured out that I love this thing. I love being able to help create this because at the core of the, the entertainment industry, not just music, but the whole entertainment industry in general, is people and relationships. So if you can really navigate that space, I uh, think you can be really successful in this business. And most importantly, I think the number one thing that's missing for indie artists is the lack of education that, unfortunately, you need in today's climate to mm-hmm. be successful in the music business. I think people think the problem with our industry is that there's no prerequisite to be in this business, right? There's no, if you want to go to real estate, if you want to go sell houses, you got to go to real estate school, got to get right. a real estate license. You want to practice law, you got to get a law license and so on and so forth. The thing with the entertainment industry is people think they just have talent. And they think they should be in the entertainment business as a professional because they have talent. And I'm like, unfortunately, it doesn't, it doesn't really work <laughs> that way. I mean, <laughs> you know, really? a lot of people, and this was before the internet, right? So now when we have right. the internet, now everybody thinks that they should be in this in this business. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and the scary part is they can be. <laughs> right. Yes, exactly. So, you know, uh, but again, uh, I, like I said, I've been to six different countries. I've been featured in seven magazines. I've got a degree from Full Sail University where I was valedictorian toward my class, advanced achiever of my class, um, won numerous awards there. And most of like I said, I just love to nav- help artists navigate this space because here's what I figured out. Well, I can make the biggest impact because I help artists at the beginning of their careers, right? Because right. what's the number one thing, guys, that are that's missing in today's space for artists? This thing we call artist development that mm-hmm. most of the younger artists don't want to do anymore. Why? Because it takes too long for most of them. So they don't want to go not glorious and exciting. Absolutely. So, you know, so in these days you have to like labels are no longer interested in developing artists. They want to turn, they want turnkey artists that already have the business sense. They already know what they're doing. They're already making money. Even, even if it's on a small scale, they're already doing something to let that label know this is you're worth investing into or you're worth partnering, you're worth partnering with. Right. So, right. So somebody like myself that has the knowledge and expertise, but does I don't have celebrity clients. So if you're somebody whose only goal is to be famous, I really can't help you. I'm really not interested in helping you. If you're somebody that wants to go learn the business and wants to understand what it really takes to be successful in this industry, and you're willing to make an investment in yourself, because as we all know, artists are the only people on the planet that want you to help them for free because they just didn't do they're that good. <laughs> they want you to, they want you to help them truth. for free because they're just that good and you need to give them as much information as possible and they should never have to pay a dollar for it. Yeah, you're absolutely <laughs> right, and there is way, way too much of that going around. Darrell, I know John right. Bon Jovial wants to jump in here. I can tell okay. when he has a question, and he has one for you. Come on in, John. <laughs> yes, no indeed, I do. Hey, hey, I'm here. I'm here. hey, Darrell, first of all, thank you. Thank you so much for being on the show with us and, and putting up with our uh, trials and tribulations oh, over the last yes. couple of weeks, and it's just we're just uh, so thrilled that you're with us. Uh, I you totally had, understand. So I totally understand. Oh, no well, problem. you know, and, okay, that's great. 
you came up with a little bit of terminology here uh, a few minutes ago, which I found to be very fascinating, and you used the term prerequisite. Uh, the prerequisite right. to uh, to be a cop, the prerequisite to be a teacher, uh, the prerequisite to be a musician, obviously having some talent. What right. um, what do you have to say to your students, to your followers, to whomever seeks out your advice? Mm-hmm. Uh, what do you have to say to somebody that maybe in your estimation, and, and this is going to be kind of cruel, I know, but maybe they just don't have the talent. How do you talk to them about, uh, you know, and, and, and let them down easily so you make them feel good, you know, that, uh, you know, keep your day job, look in a different direction. <laughs> Interesting question. Good um, question. But here's what I'll say, right? Here's what I'll say. I think that as we can see that if you can find the right audience, because, again, talent is relative, right? Now, me personally, if I don't, if I have to like you, I have to think you're, you know, to use my relationships to help you, I've got to like you. But we clearly see in today's day and age that somebody who's less talented but has a stronger hustle, they actually can be more successful in today's climate, right? So so what I would tell somebody is, look, it might not be my cup of tea, but if you can find somebody that's going to rock with what you're doing, I'll show you how to get there. Excellent. Excellent. And that's just the reality of it, because because who am I to tell somebody that I, I'm not an but somebody out there likes it. There's seven, there's 7 billion people on the planet. So if you mm-hmm. can't go find a thousand people that like what you do, then it's really not it's it's more about you than it is about them. Right. Exactly. That's a very good point, and I, I thank you, John, for bringing that out and Drill for explaining it. And I had a follow up to something you said, which I have not found be, to be before before you before you do that, David. I do oh, have go one for very go quick follow up, and, and that is Darrell. You know, as as far as you know, talented uh, talent is concerned. Uh, and, and and David will tell you, uh, I my my opinion of um, the tool, if you want even want even want to call it that, uh, auto tune is is very low. And uh, <laughs> right, <laughs> wh- how how do you what what is your view of 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 using auto tune? Is there a place for it, or is auto tune just an excuse for somebody to cover up talent that may not be there? I I think if you're clever enough with it. To, to me, it's because it's for what I can understand, and I'm not, look, I stay away from the technical sides of when it comes to stuff like that, but here's what I'll say. You know, auto, the, the vocoder, the auto-tune, it was never designed to help somebody learn how to sound good. It was more like to kind of adjust the pitch a little bit, right? So if you can't sing, period, then I don't know if the auto-tune is really good. Cause it's almost like, it's almost like, from a, a, a mixing perspective, right, or a mastering perspective. So if you have a bad mix and you go to master whatever that bad mix is, it's not going to make the mix any really any better. It's just going to inflate whatever bad elements of the mix was. Mm. And I know this for, I know this for, for, for you know, because it happened to my artists. That, you know, from back, of the artists I worked with from years back, 
we had great records, but the mixes were bad. And so when we're, because we were trying to reach a deadline, an internal deadline, by the way, it wasn't an actual from a labor or anything. This was just an internal deadline. Again, I was young back then. You know, knowing what I know now, we would approach it totally differently. But they would say, hey, we like the records, but just the vocals, you know, mm-hmm. they're too low. You know what I mean? And it doesn't, it doesn't take somebody with a with a audio engineering background to tell that the song, the vocals sound low, right? So I think the 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 auto tune is really again, it's, it simply is a tool. Now we've seen, you know, like Roger Troutman and most recently T Pain and people like that use the, but T Pain can actually sing. Mm-hmm. For a long time, people thought that he really what could sing, and he's I've seen on many occasions with just without the auditory alone, he actually can sing. So I think he was just using that as kind of I guess a branding tool to brand himself. But sure. then you know he wanted to show people I can actually sing. So in my opinion, you got to you should use it as a tool. If the auditory you just, is the only thing you do, only thing you do then I'm not a fan of that. Like, uh, you just brought out an excellent point that I have, uh, I have tried to explain to artists for years now. And uh, you said that uh, in your own experience, if you had known then what you know now, you would have approached the subject altogether differently. And I think Correct. that is an excellent point because it points out the fact that this is a business. It is an ever-changing business, and learning how to make it in the business involves constant re-education and continuing Mm. to learn what's going on and how to make it in the next phase of the business. And I think that was one of the strongest points you brought out, but you you did bring out another one that I've also accented a lot, and I wanted to question you on. You mentioned back at the top that uh, this is, in fact, a relationship-based business. And I think that is so important because anybody who has been in the business for any period of time has gotten repeated contacts from people they've never heard of saying, play my music. How do I get my music on your station? How do I get you to interview me? And I try to explain to people that, you know, you've got a much better chance of getting in that door if you get to know the person and establish a relationship first. So if you would, talk to us a little bit about the relationship side, how to establish a business as well as, or how to establish a relationship as well as why it's important. Oh, man, that's a great question. Well, well, I think... Well, people got to, like you said, like I, like I said this before, relationships is everything. Why? Because that's what, guys, the new, the music business is a small industry, believe it or not, right? It seems big to the average person. Oh, my gosh. But it really is six degrees of separation, right? So you have to approach how to – and when I network, right, this goes back down to networking, right? So – when I network, here's what I always try to do. I try to make it about the other person first. Right? Because if I make it about the other person first, it'll come back to what I want. So let me, give, like let me give an example. Let me give an example of that. So, as I said before, I'm a graduate of Full Sail University. 
Um, and so I've, in the past, have brought guest speakers out of my personal net, professional network post-graduation, right? I've probably brought over 10, 11 speakers, you know, since I graduated, right? And so mm-hmm. what I'll do to people is say, hey, well, you know, I know you, I want to build with this person. And who doesn't like to speak about their accomplishments? Who doesn't like to talk about and, and what they've done, right? So, so, and it's always great to talk to young people and kind of give back to them. There's, there's just something special about giving back to young people. So I would always tell somebody, hey, well, you know, I know you, I know we met and I know you're interested in, in possibly getting some, getting the speaking, you know, getting speaking, uh, a, a, a school speaking tour started or something like that. Well, hey, well, you know, I'm you know I'm a full cell grad. I brought I brought guest speakers before. Hey, I, I'd love to help set you up to to be a speaker one day. So what did I just do there? I made it about them. Right. How can right. I help them? Right. And then eventually, what they're going to ask is, is well, they're going to set me for one and help them. Say, hey, well, how can I help you? You know what? Is there anything that I can do for you? You know, so that's when it'll always come back around to me. So you always have to, when you're building relationships, you know, you always have to make it about the other person you're trying to build with. And a lot of people make that mistake. Like, you know, people in my, there's a certain type of etiquette you have to have, especially dealing with social media, right? So I know you guys hate this. You guys will get a DM, somebody will DM you on Facebook or Instagram, and they want to say hello. I'll just drop a link. And expect right. you to listen to it because I'm like they don't even they don't even say hello. How, who are they? Why should I listen to your stuff? Right. I don't know. Yeah. Right. I mean, and then you know, just because you think your record is hot, it's probably not that hot, man. You know. And so again, it's, it, these are things that artists, new artists, and don't really they, they they think it's not a big deal, but it's the it's a huge deal. Because people are going to remember how you treated them. They're going to remember how you um, approached them. And and like I said before, the business is a small industry, man. So, you know, they're going to remember that, man, this, this dude was an asshole. You mm-hmm. know, like just the way he approached, you know, approached the way, you know, how he approached trying to build with me. Like, cause sure. this, I don't need, I don't need to listen to your stuff. Like, I don't need to listen to you, you know, to whatever it is you're doing. Now, if you if you make it a point to want to build with me and make an investment in me, then I'll go make an investment back in you at the very least and try to listen listen to your music. But you know, it's so important to build relationships because that's what's going to keep you around in the industry for twenty thirty years. You Amen know, like, as we can yeah. see, as we as we can see. You know the record, the record label jobs that people used to have twenty, thirty years. Those jobs are gone. These older yeah. executives, they're not running. They're, they're they've left the industry. They because it's run by young people now. Mm-hmm. If you're working mainstream, like whatever genre, pop, whatever it is you're doing, it's you know they want young people running this stuff. These you know these they want young people who understand who have a pulse for the culture running the record business. So, uh, and that's why you see all these, these former label executives or whatever they did. Now they're all consultants now because they're trying to still find a way to stay in the business. But then the problem with those people are they haven't transitioned. They don't know how to function in today's climate 
of with social media and how all this stuff works now. Because right. you know, that's you have to know how to navigate the space in twenty twenty. Because it, it's different now. The way you the way you break an artist in twenty twenty and breaking an artist is even a, a relative term anymore. It's different than it was in nineteen seventy five. Oh yes. Absolutely. Darrell, we're almost out of time here. We're we're almost out of time here. My first question to you first off right now is this. Can we get you to come back again in the future and talk to us more? Oh, absolutely, guys. Absolutely. You know, man, like you said, I can talk about this for hours and days. So maybe we can have a special feature. Maybe we could do like an hour, maybe a 45-minute conversation, hour conversation, and just really delve into some more of the meat and potatoes of, of, of really what I love, really what it, it really takes to be successful. Sounds like place. a plan. Now we have we have several little uh, house rules here on the David Bowers Awards. One is once you're on our show, you're part of our family, and we try to one. help family and promote as much as we can. So keep in mind, one of my Facebook pages, and I realize that's old hat in some ways, but one of my Facebook pages is the David Bowers Awards groups page, and that page lets my guests post their own information, uh, music news, promotions, uh, whatever they're working on that they want to share with their followers. That is there for you to use for your own purposes, and we will pick up your posts from there and spread them to our other social media sites. So keep that in mind. Uh, You want to promote your speaking engagements or whatever, it's there for you to use. That's what it's there for. And that brings me to the second part of this, in the remaining minute or so that we have left time for you to do some self-promotion because we feel self-promotion should be highly encouraged. Tell the folks again about what you do and how they can find you. Wonderful guys. But like I said, uh, what I do is I'm a music business consultant, you know, artist manager, uh, speaker, that type of deal. But most importantly, I'm just a music business consultant. Uh, you can find me uh, on social media at Darrell Peart. And if you actually wanted to, if you like what you heard today and want to connect with me, you can actually go to textdurell.com. That's T-X-T, Durell, D-U-R-E-L-L.com. Go ahead and leave your phone number there, and I'll text you back. And we can correspond that way. Um, and like you said, you can find me on all social platforms at Durell Peart. And let's connect and see if there's a way for me to help you if you're an artist looking, you know, listening to this, listening to uh, this this uh, show today, and and yeah, that's the best way to connect with me on social. Fantastic! And if you forget or can't get in touch with him, you can always contact me at david at thedavidbowers dot com, and I'll make sure you get in touch with him. Darrell Parrott, we are so happy that you came and shared with us today. Look forward to having you back here again in the new year. Have a great holiday, and our sincere thanks one more time. David, thank you so much for having me. And hey, it's the power of the internet that we're able to discover each other. And I'll be here anytime you guys want me back. I'm here. We appreciate it, ladies and gentlemen. Durrell Pert. And uh, since this show is all about the music and the people who make it, I think it's time that we actually get to the music now. And here they are with the title track from their brand new album, "The Universe Inside." These are the Madisons. Thought you were gone. You came back I thought I'd caught the thought you 
There you go, the Madisons. That's from their brand new, uh, their brand new release, "The Universe Inside." And here is Maggie to come and talk to us about the Madisons and this uh, this great new album. Maggie, come on board and say hello. I'm sorry, Lizzie. My, <laughs> no it's worries. been one of those hello. days, folks. <laughs> hey, My apologies, okay. Lizzie. Welcome aboard. Good evening. Good evening, John. Good evening, David. It's nice to be here, and thank you Good for evening. having me. Hey, our pleasure, and my my apologies for messing up your name there. I, oh, uh... that, that's me. <laughs> I do that all the time. No worries. That isn't like my my 
my fear is that I'm supposed to introduce people and then I'm going to get their names wrong. You know, like I totally yep. hang up on them. So which I just did. So hey, what the heck? <laughs> when I'm doing an interview, I'm sitting there writing down people's names, including Durrell, because I found his interview to be very interesting as well. Yep. So uh, a pencil and paper is, always, you know, the pen is mightier than the sword, but the pencil is even mightier because it has an eraser. It has an eraser. Absolutely. Yes. <laughs> yes. Uh, t- talk to us, talk to us about this, uh, this universe inside. This gives me the feeling that there's uh, definitely a, uh, it, it's a concept. It's a theme type thing. What have we got here? Well, this album, it, it was created by the trio that is now the Madisons. We've been a large band at times of so five or six pieces. In our current state, we are three because of the pandemic and everything else. But um, I'm very fortunate because the rhythm section that I became a part of with the Madisons uh, predates me by many bands. I, I felt arrogant enough to try to lift them from a really good band that I saw in Houston and I was successful enough. Uh, but the bass player and drummer have been together for many, many years. And we decided to be really brave and record this album about tomorrow as a three-piece. We recorded it live as we normally do, old-school style. Mm-hmm. And... It's just the three of us in a room with the sympathetic frequencies of everything bleeding in everybody's mics and everything else. But um, that's how they used to do recordings. And that's, I feel, a really great way to still, you know, there's a lot of great things you can do. uh, And I came up in the digital age. I started at a studio called Digital Services when I was 17 years old. And I came in as a an intern, and as I left there, I was a senior engineer and I was the house composer. But what I learned along the way was that anything might come through the door. It could be Destiny's Child when they were a four-piece, mm-hmm. and this is in Houston. It could be the Ghetto Boys. It could be a jingle that you have to write for some commercial. It could be some gospel thing or whatever. You just didn't know what was going to come through the door next. So you had to be ready, and you had to try to bring your best stuff to that environment and when it's work for hire that's that's what I was I was work for hire and I worked for many artists over the years I I became a, a, an engineer for ZZ Top uh, and I worked with them for about 17 years oh but what I, I really learned along the way was trying to accommodate what the artist needed because I was truly a backing musician or backing vocalist or whatever the the thing was, but I was there to serve. I wasn't there to be the main artist. Mm -hmm. And I think the best lessons that I got about that was when I was a waitress as a young person, I was a waitress at a Denny's and you could either serve nicely or you could serve not nicely and your tips right. would show. Mm-hmm. And I, 
you know, it's not that hard to be nice. You just be nice. You try to get it right, and you be nice. It's really not that hard. I don't know if you've ever been served by a waiter or waitress that does not love their job. Oh, yes. Like they're crossed to bear. That they're <laughs> yeah, only a few times. <laughs> and, and then you realize that, wow, like, okay, they need to learn some lesson that they haven't learned. But luckily I learned it early. You, you know, you just try to be nice. You just try to get it right, and you take care of the person. It came mm-hmm. handy when I became a mommy, too. I, I won't lie, because, like, <laughs> if you think it's hard serving rock stars, wait till you serve children and then you like really get a like. Yeah, that's that's a good question. Which is harder, the rock star or the child? Children, and sometimes child, it's totally hard to tell child. the difference. Totally, like if they only want like one color of something or whatever the thing mm-hmm. is. Yeah, yeah. So. John Bon Jovi. Yeah, yeah. So you try to take care of them. You try to figure out what they want, and you do that. And then it was different when I stepped into the so-called spotlight. One night I was with a girlfriend of mine. She was at this blues jam in Houston, Texas, at a place called the Big Easy. Mm. And it wasn't an open mic. This is very different when you talk about a blues jam. Blues jam is like... Anybody could show up, but they're all musicians, and mm. you get thrown together. You don't know what you're going to play. But it's not somebody's song who's just singing or strumming it on the, it's you're, you're, you're doing it together. It's a, a real-time thing. You don't know what's going to happen. It could be amazing. It could be terrible. Mm-hmm. But it's always exciting what you have in a true jam. And a jam happens when you have like a house band that can back up whoever comes up or you got good rotating players that can get up. And you, I've seen horn sections where there's older cats and they're training the younger people how to do those triads or whatever. Sure. Yep. And, and, and beautiful stuff that happens. Learning to do a song... Like, for me, it was when I was going to do this Billie Holiday song, and I realized if I did it in B-flat that the horn players could play along with me. So I'm like, great, let's do this. And it turned out that there were some legendary horn players that got up with me that night because of the key. They heard it, and they went and grabbed their road cases and and, and got up and... I didn't know, you know, because as a composer, I might do something in C or F or whatever, but oh, E flat or B flat. Oh my gosh, that's amazing. Where they were like, please, can I be next? Where there was this like flotilla of incredible horn players that went up one after another and took solos. So for me as a musician, especially as a female, because I came up as an engineer, uh, there was no one there to help me. There were no other female engineers. There was very few uh, other people in the industry that I could look up to. But what I knew is that I had to help musicians, and especially females, if they were interested in music or engineering of music, that I had to help them. 
So I became a mentor through a high school program in Texas. So I did that for about six years. And I taught the recording arts. And there would be a roster. Whoever wanted to sign up for my class could. It was after school, like a right. for juniors and seniors, where they would show up at my studio after, and they could go to whatever they wanted to. They could go to a dentist office or a lawyer's or you know whatever they want. Sure. So mm-hmm. a bunch of people would sign up. Like I would maybe get fifty or seventy kids that would sign up. I would automatically take all of the females, and I'm not trying to be sexist, but us girls when we're growing up, we don't have that cool dude friend that's got a guitar and a Fender amp and they know how to play and do stuff. (laughs) We don't. And so I had to try to give them a leg up and try to help because I didn't have that. Engineers were, I came up when we were still cutting tape and Mm -hmm. we would splice with tape. Right. And so I learned from the great engineers how to do that skill Oh yeah, quickly I remember it well. Over, yeah, and then quickly it was flipping over to digital where we were doing this all in computers. Sure. And this was still mainframe before we even got to Macs or anything like that. Um, but what I realized is that there were some people that were willing to share their expertise and some that were not. And so I, a lot of nights I was left sitting up at the studio, reading manuals, trying to figure out stuff for myself. But, you know, that's not so bad either. And I got it, and I figured it out, and I made my own way. But -hmm. what I made sure is that if somebody else comes to, if they cross my path in the right way, not if they're like, I'm hot, dookie, and Mm -hmm. you should totally do that. No, but if... I really want to learn, and there's this thing that I'm interested in that I'm, I'm literally compelled. I have to be, I have to contribute. Right, and and the the thing that impresses me is the fact that you do that and that you give freely. It's uh, it's as Durrell mentioned in in his. Uh, talking there on Rockstar 101, that uh, it's a relationship business and you are establishing and furthering that relationship and that benefits everyone. John Bon Jovial is part of our relationship here on the show and I know he's got got something he'd like to get in here with. Talk to us, John. Well, I just real quick, um, Lizzie, I, I wanted to ask you, you had mentioned something earlier in the conversation about you never know what what's going to come in. It could be a commercial jingle. It could be, uh, you know, backup singing, whatever. Uh, you know, Barry Manilow got his start writing, uh, jingles and, uh, have, have have you done a similar, pardon? He did well. He wrote like the McDonald's jingle and stuff. Oh yeah. yeah. He, he, oh, he, he did some big time stuff. Uh, but, uh, have you been able to, um, you know, get into that genre at all of being really a jingle. I'm not gonna lie. I love jingles. It was something that um when that came in the door, as you mentioned, I got really excited because even though it's advertising and clearly it's the like persuasive form of communication, right? Right. But I it, is, it, it is indeed you have to try to find a thing that works and make it work quickly. And it's got to be 
you know, I, there's probably jingles that you remember, like by men and or whatever. You know, it's like oh, sure, it's simple as hell, sure. but you remember it, right? So I love when somebody does a great job with a jingle. Some of them, in my mind, that stick out are local for me, so you would never recognize them. But I love it when somebody writes a great jingle. And I, I know what you're yeah. saying because I, I, I always get that feeling. That I wish I had written that. <laughs> right? And there, some of them I did for work for hire, but some that I did under my own name were for like Fiorucci. It was a fancy Italian designer company. And mm-hmm. early in the 80s, I designed this um, radio thing for KLOL in in Houston, Texas. And it was a montage of all the great guitar solos. It was Hendrix and, you know, whatever. And because this was early, I I operated a Fairlight. You had Fairlights and Synclavirs back then. It was before you had Macs and all that. So Mm -hmm. they were mainframes, and you either had a Fairlight or a Synclavir, and I happened to operate a Fairlight. And so that's why I worked for ZZ and for Michael Jackson and for people like that was because I operated this specific machine. It wasn't necessarily based on my talents. In fact, probably not at all. But I got well, to find them maybe along the way a little bit, right? You had to have um, the talent to use it, so... <laughs> I have a brother who's a concert pianist. He went to Van Cliburn and everything like that. I was always just a hack. I went to piano lessons, but I was never the best. I was a ballet dancer. Oh, and you definitely do have a very background. I still dance music in my head, uh, whether I'm working with the Madisons or working on other projects. When I hear a song... I'm basically dancing it in my head. Sure. <laughs> so I well, don't Lizzie, think any of our lessons are ever lost, whether we're a waitress no, or a dancer. No, no. Even if you don't use them right away, you, you you store them and and they're there for future reference. Lizzie, before we run out of time here, I want to give you a chance to tell the folks about the Madisons, where they can find them, where they can find their music, uh, and uh, you know maybe real quickly. What's what's coming up in the near future? Okay, so we're at madisonsmusic.com, madisonsmusic.com, and we have our new album that is out, which is called About Tomorrow. Uh, it's the three-piece of the Madisons, and it has the wonderful artwork of Brian Knutko on the album cover. Um we are currently collaborating with an artist by the name of Stephen Foster from Muscle Shoals Studio, who was the guitarist for many Muscle Shoals recordings like Percy Sledge and many other legendary artists, uh, working on uh, a piece dealing with COVID and, and uh, expressing empathy what we feel is that uh, regardless of anybody's political or anything other kind of views, that what's going to get us through these next few months is a sense of empathy for one another and yes. trying to take care of one another. 
um, definitely doesn't a matter little what more. You might, yeah, what, what, whatever your background or beliefs might be, we got to take care of each other. And even if it doesn't protect me, if it protects you, if I wear a mask, right, that's probably a good idea. Yeah, we've got to have more consideration for each other and less emphasis on ourselves. Lizzie, I thank you so much for coming by and sharing with us, sharing the music of the Madisons and uh, telling us a little bit or a lot about your story, too. Very interesting there. And I do hope it's been, uh, when it's been three and a half years since the Madisons were on the show, I certainly hope it won't be that long till the next time. I certainly hope not either, John, uh, David, and I certainly wish for your speedy recovery. Thank you, thank David you. and John, for having us tonight. Well, thank, thank you. you so much. Our pleasure having you here, and our thanks also to uh, Randy Dar and all the uh, all the guys at Titty Bingo who uh, helped put this together. We really appreciate them as well, and of course, they we provide love them our. Too. Oh, they provide a, they've provided our theme song on the show since the get-go, so uh, they're old friends of ours, too. Lizzie, thank you again so much. Ladies and gentlemen, they call themselves the Madisons, and this is Dove. Now you know You're on the dead old right track You had to go through time and space I still try to make it back Now you know now Now you know now better You gotta die With a good, good set of wings You gotta die no matter where she flies, she sings. Hey, now you know now. Now you know now better. Now you know now. Now you know now better. You gotta die.
They call themselves the Madisons. Thank you so much. Thank you, listeners, for joining us and spending this last hour with us here. Again, so great to be back with you. We look forward to seeing you first of the year. Remember, big show coming up January 3rd will be our next brand new show, and uh, it's going to be a fun one. We thank Lizzie and the Madisons for being here today. Also, Darrell Pert for sharing Rockstar 101 with us. And we love you all. Have yourselves a wonderful holiday. Merry Christmas. Happy Hanukkah. However you celebrate it, celebrate it with your family. Share the love because you never know what's going to happen tomorrow. Tomorrow is not promised. So best wishes to you. Thank you again. John Bon Jovial, take us home. Well, thank you, folks, for spending another perfectly good hour with us here at the David Bowers Awards. We are grateful that you chose to participate. The David Bowers Awards is broadcast around the world from the studios of Computer Help USA in Naples, Florida, and, of course, from the Valley of the Sun in Tempe, Arizona. We are available for free on most of the major streaming services. Follow the David Bowers Awards on Twitter, LinkedIn, and Facebook, and be sure to join us next week for the David Bowers Awards, Saturday at 12 p.m. Eastern on WRFC-FM. That's 106.3 Rochester, New York. That's Rochester Free Radio. And, of course, on Blog Talk Radio, Sunday at 2 p.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. Pacific, and 7 p.m. UTC. So until next week, well, actually until a few weeks from now, for the David Bowers and Nick, our marvelously geeky engineer, I am John Bon Jovial, wishing you and yours peace in this upcoming holiday season of Kwanzaa and Hanukkah and Christmas. Be good to yourself. Love one another. Wash your hands. Keep your distance. we still got to do that for a little while. And we'll see you next time right here on The David Bowers Awards.